117th episode of Two Writers Slinging Yang. My name is Jeff Perlman. I'm a former Sports Illustrated senior writer, former ESPN columnist, and the author of multiple New York Times bestsellers. The music you're listening to is Croissants from the great MC White Owl. And this podcast is an ode to writing in all its forms, from sports writing to screenwriting to music critiquing to self-help to song lyrics to whatever genre I'm thinking of. And today's guest comes with a fun little backstory. About two weeks ago, I checked Twitter and saw a post from someone named Tom Passmore, who covers sports for the 8,000 Circulation Daily, The Leader, in Corning, New York. And he wrote, career goal, be popular enough to be on Jeff Perlman's Two Riders Slinging Yang podcast. And I thought to myself, I mean, that's easy enough. So I DM'd Tom, and he was game to talk about life as a one-man sports department, covering high school bowling and Friday night football, taking photos, keeping stats. Really, Tom's gig is a love letter to the way so many sports writers commence their journeys. And it's all right now on Two Writers, Sling and Yang. All right, Tom, so this is a uh, this is an interesting one. I'm in my car, I don't know, eight hours ago, driving out here in California, and uh, stopped somewhere, and I check my Twitter feed, and I see from a writer I've never heard of, Tom Passmore from The, the Leader in Corning, New York, a tweet. Career goal, Colin, be popular enough to be on at Jeff Perlman's Two Writers Singing Yang podcast. And I got to say, you're not the first person. I mean, not that happens a ton to request to be on, but it's usually like I have a book coming out or blah, blah, blah. I usually ignore it. But I have a freaking hardcore, hardcore place in my heart. Uh, Number one for newspapers. Number two for small newspapers. Number three for people busting their asses in newspapers. And you seem to fit all those. uh all those criteria. So um, I'm thrilled to have you here, man. And I'm honored that you actually listened to the podcast. So thank you. Yeah. And honestly, I'm honored to be on it. Um, I sent out the tweet because I listen to the podcast all the time. And I was like, Oh, cool. He, he sent me a message back, but I don't have 10, 10 K readily available, but uh, I guess I didn't need it. So I'm happy to be here. So um, you write for the leader in Corning, New York. It's a daily newspaper with a circulation of about 8,000. Uh, Corning has a, Population of about 12,000. It is a unique thing in 2019 to work for a small town newspaper because they are closing left and right. Uh, they are dying left and right. Print obviously is, is major, major problems. Do you feel good about where you are? Do you feel secure about where you are? Do you feel like you're in a community? Does the community value the newspaper or do you feel people slinking away from it gradually? Uh, I think the community does value the newspaper. Um, I feel good with what I'm doing. Um, you know, what's being done around me with, um, you know, the, the recent mer- merger with Gatehouse, my parent company and, uh, Gannett. Um, that doesn't look too great, but, uh, I just, I love what I do. And that's the main goal for me is just to do what I do and be a sports writer. It doesn't, it really doesn't even feel like work to me, which is, Awesome. I don't, I do not follow the media in Corning, New York as closely as I probably should. So recently your newspaper chain merged with another newspaper chain. Is that the basic gist? Uh, yeah. My newspaper chain, Gatehouse Media, bought out, uh, Gannett, which also controls like USA Today. It's still in its infancy, the whole, the whole thing. So I'm not really quite sure of the details or anything. I'm not sure what it will mean for me. 
my, my staff can't get any lower. I'm the only sports writer. So, yeah. I haven't been in it. I've not worked in a newsroom in about 18 years, I would say. My last newsroom was new, was Newsday long, long ago. And right. I, it was kind of a bustling newsroom at the time. Like you find out there's a merger and blah, blah, blah. And Gannett. Yeah. Do, do you and your whatever remaining coworkers sort of freak out about it? Or do you, does it, is it scuttlebutt in the newsroom? Is it just the somebody with a tie who you've never seen before come and address you and tell you everything's going to be okay? Like how does that actually play out? Uh, it's kind of just scuttlebutt in the newsroom right now. We just kind of have to go about our day as if nothing is, nothing is happening. And then we'll see how the, the chips unfold as it, as it goes forward. So you're from, you're a product of Corning, New York. You went to Corning East High School. You went to Corning Community College. Then you went to Mansfield University, uh, 2014 graduate. Uh, you started the leader in 2016. When I asked you, uh, sort of give me a bio, you said you write, you take photos, you uh, do videos, you do social media, you appeared on the podcast. What is your job? Like, what are you, you're the only sports guy there. What is your job? Uh, I think, I think nowadays it's called a content creator. <laughs> Not quite sure. Um, when I started, I had a photographer. He eventually just left, uh, for another job. Uh, so I kind of just picked up photography and I, I started doing it and I actually kind of like it. I, I got into the biz just to, just to be a writer. Um, sports was always, has always been my passion. Uh, so it, it kind of just went from there. And with social media, I, I love social media. I live tweet games. Uh, I like to connect with, like, I, I mainly cover high school. So I like to, to connect with, with the, the students on Twitter, you know, let them know that I'm around and let them know that, you know, their local newspaper cares about what the heck they're doing. Like around here, the main sports are, uh, basketball, baseball, and football, and also lacrosse is big around here. But our cross country team, our track and field team, they are so good. So I try and give everyone the same amount as much as I can with the 10 to 12 high schools that I cover. There was a time, and maybe it still exists in Corning, that's kind of what I'm interested, when being profiled in the newspaper was a huge deal for, I mean, I remember being a high school kid and being a runner, a pretty good runner in high school. And when your name was in the paper, I mean, you'd buy five copies and you put one in the scrapbook, you send one to grandma, you send one to the other grandma, you know, it was huge. Um, I don't think kids really read newspaper. I haven't seen a kid read a newspaper and do kids care what you write about them? Can you see people still interested? Is it? Uh, I think, I think you're right. I think. They don't care as much about the newspaper, but I think they care if I shout them out on, out on social media. And I don't, I don't tag the students. I just, you know, say their name and then it somehow gets back to them and they circulate it with their friends and it, it kind of, you know, snowballs from there. It's, it's different. I, it's not what I, you know, kind of wanted to get into with, uh, like, cause when I graduated in, uh, from high school, in, like you said, in 2010, and it was kind of the same type of landscape was, but social media was just kind of getting started. Now I try to use all of the mediums that I have besides print to reach people and, you know, make, make them care about what I write. And it's, I try and that's what I try and do. Does the 18 year old quarterback care about appearing in an article? Will he see the article 
in the leader? In the print edition, maybe not, but on Facebook, definitely. Uh, Facebook is probably more for um, adults nowadays, but definitely on Twitter. We uh, Around here, we have a, a, a community of kids that are on Twitter all the time, and they they I know they see what I, what I write about them and if if they if they have to see it through Twitter then at least I feel like they're still seeing it which is good for me. Yeah. So what is your week? How does this go for you? Uh well, <laughs> during the summer it's kind of it's kind of different. It's a little more uh spread out because I have uh like the NASCAR race comes to Watkins Glen. I cover that. I cover some, uh, some golf. We used to have a ladies professional golf association, uh, match around here called the Corning Classic. They don't have it anymore. Uh, but no, during the season, it's, I come in, uh, I map out my day, what kind of games are going on, pick a game that I'd like to go to, go take photos, and then I'll actually come back and answer calls for a local roundup that's usually up, upwards about 25, 35 inches and I'll write that up. And then I'll also contact the coach of the game that I actually took photos of and try and go a little bit more in depth, you know, as much as I can with uh, the deadline that I have is actually nine 30. So it gets a little like during football, like I have to turn around things very, very quickly, mm-hmm. uh, which doesn't really bother me. It does kind of sacrifice a little bit of, detail that I'd like to add, but usually what I do is I, I try and put together a hard shell to go in the print edition. And then I maybe, you know, contact more for more in-depth analysis on our online version. That's what I'll put on the, the social medias. Wait, so I'm, uh, I'm kind of confused. There's a game you want to cover the big corny East football game. You're going to cover that game. Yes. You go out with your camera, you are covering the game from a presumably some kind of rickety press high school press box or are you on the sidelines with a camera? Are you like, are you doing this all at once game wise? Yeah, actually. Yeah. All, all at once game wise. I have my, uh, my clipboard, you know, charting plays, trying to take photos, you know, at opportune times. I definitely always, you know, stat check with everyone else, but I, I, I feel like I do get most everything relatively right. Um, when it comes to when it comes to like spring sports with sports that start at like five o'clock, it's a lot easier. I, I rip out my box scores. Uh, I go to the game. I I chart every play and then I um, take photos as well. And then I formulate stories from there. Um, football season, it's it's a little tougher. Like if it's a if it's like a playoff game or like a crucial game, I do have uh, another person that can take photos for me so I can concentrate you know actually covering the game uh but yeah it's it's that's kind of what it is it's not really a sports writer it's kind of a content creator it's really interesting because you're in a way you're um you're a little bit from a bygone era because again the local newspaper and the local sports scene it's really taken a hit these last few years and i feel like people like yourself are incredibly important and i also think it's just a great freaking training ground. I mean, like, talk about learning how to do everything on the fly. Uh, it's pretty freaking impressive, man. Does it ever, do you ever lose your mind? Or are you ever like, shit, this is just too much for me? Sometimes when I kind of have a, like I said, a 9.30 deadline and it's 9.25 and I'm trying to get all of the 
the local roundup is what we call it in and just trying to get it all by print deadline to, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe people don't even see it, you know, in the print edition, but I, I hope I, I like to think that they see it online. Um, so, so I like to cover, you know, everything. I don't pick just the most popular sports. Like I'll cover bowling. I'll cover swimming. Obviously there, there's a lot of different sports that I cover that might not get enough, any love from like a TV station though. So I, I take pride in that. Who are you writing for? I know you're not getting rich off this job. It's a small circulation. It's 8,000 people. Mm-hmm. Are you writing for the kids? Are you writing for the community? Are you writing for yourself? Who are you writing for? That's a definitely a tough question. No, I, I like to write for myself. I mean, I knew I've wanted to be a journalist when I was in 10th grade when I played baseball and I got more, you know, excitement out of like not even playing, but just like watching and like watching everything unfold. I write for the ki- the kids because it kind of you know, they, they do really show me that they, they care about what I do. Um, I mean, maybe it's on Twitter and maybe they're not even looking at a newspaper anymore. Uh, and then for the community as well. I mean, sports, uh, like if you look at our interactions on Facebook, all of my sports articles, feature articles, they get, they got a lot of love on, on Facebook and other, other social medias. Right. Is it living up to what you thought it would be? Um, I honestly, I thought, <laughs> I thought I would be more, more specialized in a certain sport. Uh, but I, I know that that's not really the, the landscape, but I just, I like what I do. I, I love what I do. And I don't know. It's just, it's, it, you're like you, like you said, it's not the greatest money ever, but, um, like I have, I have aspirations to, to go on when I was growing up in Corning our front section of the paper has a little trophy box and uh, it's got a picture of my little league team with a, with me with a leader shirt. And I've wanted to write for this paper since I was 10th grade is when it really all kind of culminated. And then when I got to high school, I mean, I forecasted the whole thing. I I forecasted the decline and uh, like I, I wrote a column for the, Williamsport Sun Gazette is uh, majoring in a dying field and it, it's got, I just kind of went through like I know that this type of media might be failing but it's something that I want to do but now you know I'm 27 years old and you see people like you've had on your podcast like Alex Kennedy who's the same age as me like Mirren Mirren Faders I think maybe younger than me and it, it makes you kind of go a little harder and try a little harder and I plan to stick with it as long as, uh, as long as I can. So how many people work in your newsroom? It's one sports writer and then we have four news people and then we have uh, a bunch of ad people. So, and you go in every day? Uh, my, my editor tries to keep me away to have two days off a week, but I usually end up having one day off and then two days where I come in is like a half day. I'm really fascinated because obviously you have a very small newsroom. I don't like, I really freaking loved back in the day, the buzz of the newsroom. Like when I was at the mm-hmm. Tennessean 25 years ago now, but like the buzz and walking in and what's going on today and clack, clack, clack and the smell of newsprint, whatever paper stuff. Is that dead? I don't think it's dead. I think it's obviously more condensed, but, um, we still have active conversations every day where my newsroom may be small, but it's just. We all are dedicated to what we do. And I 
think, I believe that the community cares about what we do as much as we do. And um, that's really all you can ask for in like a, a, a local newspaper. All right, I want to talk writing. And it's really interesting. I've read a bunch of your articles and I was really thinking about you. And I was thinking about the curse blessing of working at a small newspaper. The curse in a lot of ways is you have to do stuff fast and you have to yeah. get stuff done fast. Here's a perfect example. You have a story. Uh, it ran in May. Hawks upset on way to finals. Behind a freshman pitcher, number four seeded Corning knocked off Southern Tier Athletic Conference champion and number one seed Horseheads Friday in the section four class double A uh, semifinals, three to two. I don't think I've ever been as proud as a group of kids. That I am with these kids tonight, Corning head coach Eric Kaiser said. Horse said's a really good baseball team. I put the ball in the hands of a ninth grader and he was extraordinary tonight. He did an incredible job. And it's completely workmanlikely good. Like it's very solid. But like when you mention writers like Mirren Fader, just as an example, mm-hmm. I know Mirren really well. And I was even thinking about myself as a young writer coming up. I feel like places like the New York Times, where you said you'd like to work one day or, or ESPN or Bleacher Report mm-hmm. or whatever. They want to know how Aiden Chamberlain got into baseball and they want to know the first time he knew he could throw hard. Like there's this story to be told about these people. And mm-hmm. that's what a lot of those writers do is they make it about, like, you know, here's Aiden Chamberlain. Aiden Chamberlain is only 14 years old. He doesn't shave yet. He's never driven a car. He doesn't even know how to blah, 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 blah. And yet there he stood on a Tuesday afternoon in, in horse heads, uh, staring down, blah, blah, blah. I feel like there's a, there's a jump. Like, Again, I, I think you're like a really good writer. I think you were far more talented than I was when I was writing high school, like by far. Do you feel like you can take shots or do you just feel like you're in a rush and you need to get the information down? Um, certain time, I think, I feel like there's certain times where I can. And that's what, that's what I kind of have to do, uh, where I am. I kind of have to be workmanlike. Um, when I have a lot of things thrown at me and then take my time to kind of work on other things. The writers that you talk to are just so, um, about telling the story and I, uh, of the individual. And I, I want to do that, but I, I want to get my game story done, get all the other things I have to do done. And that's where it comes into play where it kind of sucks being the only person here. Cause I feel like if I had someone else, I could kind of take more shots. Um, you know, as you say, it just seems like I would want to, I'd be all about like the thing I loved at the Tennessean when I was covering preps and, but I was one of 30 people in that sports department was, all right, you're going to go out to so-and-so high school and you're going to write about the best cross country runner. And I had the time where I would sit down with them and I'd be able to say, so when was the first time you knew you loved running? And do you mind if I give your dad a call? Oh, yeah, sure. What about what's your first race you ever ran? Do you have a can? Let's find the results of that. And let's write about that. Let's really mm-hmm. dig into a person. Realizing all you freaking do, I would hire you in a second because I'd be like, this guy does a million different things and does them really well. But I wonder, it must be frustrating at times to not have the time to just sit down and craft a 1500 word story and interview five relatives and find his first coach and blah, 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 blah. It definitely does get a little bit overwhelming and it, I wish, you know, I've been taking kind of steps to, to do that, to get more featurey type, type things. I just got, I just have to know, uh, when to, when to take my shot with that and try and, you know, compartmentalize time, you know, when I can do that. So 
My advice would be take your shot every single time you can. I really mean that. When I was at the Tennessean, I was the worst freaking high school writer in the history of mankind, right? I was awful. I was a joke. I was so fucking bad. It's actually funny. But all I was doing was like making crazy analogies and using words that didn't quite fit and trying to make some stupid midweek high school softball game sound like Notre Dame Navy. I just think you got nothing to lose, you know? And like the joy of your position seems to be that you can freaking like you're the MC, you're the DJ, you're co- you're actually controlling the covers. That's an amazing freaking power that I've never had in my life. Um, no, I appreciate it. And that's, that's a reason why I kind of turned on to your podcast to listen to, you know, other writers, not to copy anything. Cause you know, you always want to have your own voice, but just to kind of see their, their thought process with, with that whole thing. And, and kind of put it in into my writing. Do you feel like you can criticize high school athletes? Is that fair game or is that cross the line? <laughs> um, well, it's funny you say that because I, um, I I don't think I can criticize high school athletes. But I, I'll tell you what, I was listening to your podcast with uh, with Mike Vaccaro, and uh, he was talking about his run in with uh, I forgot his name, Phillips, Steve Phillips. He said that you can write whatever you want about someone, but you just have to face them the next day. And I wrote, I wrote a column about an outgoing coach. And, you know, I, I talked about, you know, the Corning district and I talked like put in the, like I was mad that day when I, (laughs) when I listened to that podcast and I put in, you know, they actually send stats into my column because I, I don't like when I'm trying to do my job and, you know, districts don't you know, not even help me, but just try and give me the in, the information that I need. And I kind of called out a district. And then the next day I, I went over to him, like, you know, you said in the podcast, you can't say something about someone and not show your face around there. So I went up to the, the athletic director that I was talking about and, uh, you know, shook his hand. It was great. I don't even know if he saw the article, but yeah, I right. felt better. I felt That's better funny. about myself. Do you name kid? Like, let's say a kid misses a shot at the end of the game. The team loses. I, I don't know, whatever. He misses two free throws with no time left. Do you name the kid? Is that fair? Do you talk to the kid after the misses? Is that fair? Uh, how do you sort of handle stuff like that? Uh, I think that's fair. I think, you know, you, if you don't do that, I think you're, you're leaving out a, a vital part of the story. You know, I'll talk to him, you know, I'll add, I'll ask him, you know, what, you know, was going through, you know, his head. And I think, I think the kids know now that I've been here three years that I'll do that as well as, you know, make up some type of crazy headline when they, they hit a game winning shot. Uh, baseball, it's a little different. Like when, if someone makes a key error, I'll kind of just say, you know, the team made an error. So I won't pile on a kid in that regard when it's kind of like you kind of can't do anything else. I think, I think the kids know that I, you know, I, I'm not doing it to, you know, be a jerk. <laughs> I'm doing it just because it's for the integrity of the story. You wrote a story. It ran in uh, June. Uh, Hawks, 11 innings to glory. And it was in Glens Falls. Uh, eighth grader, Olivia Keegan connected on a go-ahead single in the 11th to score Aaron Austin, propelling Corning to its first ever state championship Saturday in Glens Falls, defeating Cicero North Syracuse 4-3. to And then you had a quote, and you... You interviewed uh, eighth grader Olivia Keegan. She said, I knew I needed to come through eventually. I knew what I had to do, blah, blah, blah. I always found one of the tough things I always found about interviewing kids and very young athletes 
is they don't really have that much to say. Um, I mean, she's an eighth grader. What the hell is she going to say? You actually got good quotes out of her. I'm mean, throughout the story. Like you got good quotes out of her. How do you get a freaking kid to open up? Um, with a kid like that and with, with most of the kids, you know, I'll, I'll start off with a kind of a lighthearted question, you know, and then kind of go into it. And then, uh, I think the, the coach for the softball team, Mike Johnson, he, he knows me. And I think the, like the kids see the relationship that I have with him. And I think they feel comfortable with me and talking to me and, you know, just kind of make them try to make them feel comfortable, you know, in that moment, which is like you said, with an eighth grader, it's definitely tough to do. Before we continue with Two Writers Slinging Yang, a quick word from our sponsor. Hey, this is Jeff Perlman, and I'm here with my daughter, Casey, who just got her driver's license the other day. So how's that going? Not the best. Why? Well, I got pulled over today. What? I wasn't doing anything. Jenny asked me to deliver her 500 kilos of cocaine to her pimp, Snake Death Billy. I got stopped by the popo. Wait, what? But the good news is I did just what you told me to. Refresh my memory on that. I said, officer, I know this doesn't look so good, but if you let me go, I can hook you up with some really sweet merchandise from 503 Sports, kings of the throwback sports merchandise. All you have to do is go to 503-sports.com and pick out whatever you'd like, a hat, a t-shirt, anything. That worked. I mean, I'm here and I've got the Coke. I've never been prouder. The the writers are meaning of the paper, are you guys, do they emphasize they want social media presence from you guys? Um, no, actually. Um, I actually started my Twitter account, um, because, you know, you know, I really just wanted to find another way to connect, you know, with the community and kind of learn more about, you know, the athletes that I'm covering in a way that I can because of, you know, the work schedule and things like that. Um, I created a, a leader Instagram. Just take photos of the kids. Just try to connect the best way I can. And I think with sports, it's it's kind of easy. I think it might be easier in sports than in news to to connect with a, a bunch of people, especially probably in this area. Um, and yeah, that's that's just what I what I try and do personally. Um, my other coworkers they have Twitter accounts. They they mainly just put uh, police beats on the Twitter account, um, things like that. But they're definitely not as in depth uh, as I am. Like I, to, I like to live live tweet games. I like to use you know gifs. It's not like a obviously not like a cheerleader thing because you're not trying to do that. Um, I'll do it for both teams. You know, I'm just I support local, and that's that's kind of my mo. I feel like every I feel like every uh, preps writer at some point has to deal with the asshole parent. Of some kid who thinks his kid isn't getting enough coverage or some, you have to, you, I don't know, some abusive parent at a, at a literally game or blah, 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 blah. Uh, number one, have you, and number two, do you feel that parents, the roles of parents in youth sports, uh, has changed at all in maybe the whatever decade or so since you were a high school athlete? Uh, yeah, I, I've dealt, I've definitely dealt with, you know, my share of, you know, not nice, uh, parents put it lightly. Uh, they call me up and they yell at me about how I cover one thing and I don't cover them. And then, you know, I'll let them know, you know, kindly that I, I did do that. <laughs> and 
No, yeah, it's it's definitely the landscape of high school sports has changed dramatically. Um, when I was in high school in 2010, uh, as a senior, I had a coach that would yell yell at me so much, and the whole team. And you know, you just kind of that's kind of what he what he was. And nowadays, uh, even in like. It kind of started, honestly, a couple years after me because one of our prominent coaches got got pushed pushed out because um, this was before me. Uh, obviously, I was in school, but one of our prominent coaches got pushed out because he was, I guess, too hard on the kids. Um, and it's when you have a you know like a situation with high school athletics where kids can kind of just do what they want. It's, it's not a good, you know, when they get into the real world, they're really going to be in for something when you get out of, you know, this area and you realize that, Oh, you're not the center of the universe. And that's, that's, that's tough. Do you think kids are coddled more now than they used to be? Uh, yeah, it didn't used to be the parent would, call the athletic director and yell at them and about how their kid isn't playing. They would, you know, talk to the coach. Maybe, um, you know, you wouldn't go to the athletic director and that's, I've heard, you know, I've heard stories about that in this area and I just, I don't, I don't think there's any place for that. Um, you know, when I played baseball, I didn't, like I said, I didn't play that much. I was a, I was a, a lefty one out guy, a loogie. Um, <laughs> it's an awful term, but, yeah. uh, and I just come in to pitch the one inning and I was okay with that. And, you know, I played a role and I played a, you know, I tried to help other kids. You know, I didn't try and get the glory for myself. You know, I just tried to not fit in, but just, you know, do my job. And that's <laughs> kind of what I try to do now. Yeah. Um, let me see a final thing. You, um, you've covered a fair amount of NASCAR at, uh, at old Watkins Glen. Um, I covered NASCAR. Uh, I covered racing a little bit early in my career in the South. And, um, <laughs> I was always really bored by it. I did not enjoy racing. I just thought it was a bunch of cars driving in a circle and it never did it for me. What was I missing? What did I not understand? Uh, well, <laughs> actually, I was actually in the same position as you were before I actually covered racing at the Glen and with a lot of sports, really. Like I didn't see the, the value or the enjoyment in cover covering cross country, but now it's one of the best things I cover. Like with, with NASCAR, I, I feel the same way. And I had to probably, I probably watched about 12 hours of YouTube videos about NASCAR. And then like when I got there and I saw it and I, I kind of put it all together and it's kind of crazy because, um, like you, you asked, like, I think you've asked a couple of your guests before if they ever get like starstruck. Like I didn't, I never get starstruck by an athlete, like a professional athlete. I get more starstruck from like the AP writer, you know, that's, <laughs> it, that's and it's awesome. weird. It's, it's definitely yeah. weird. I'm definitely uh different in that regard, but no, it's, it wasn't a bad experience. Um, and I learned, I learned a lot about, you know, covering racing. And I also cover, um, IMSA racing up there as well. They have the, the Salem six hour, the Glen. 
it's just something different and just something else I can head to my, uh, my resume, I guess, you know, covering an actual national sport. Cause I don't get to do it that often. And that's why I kind of try to enjoy it as much as I can, because it's one of the few opportunities I get to cover something that, you know, a lot of people know about. <laughs> yeah. I just think it's funny. The idea of getting nervous around the AP writer. Cause I remember when I was, um, first of all, all writers go through that, especially when they're younger. And also, um, I remember being a kid and my parent, my grandparents would take me to Yankee spring training and I would be begging for the autographs of the writers and the TV people. Like everyone else wants Reggie Jackson and I'm going for Jerry Azar. We're at heart. We're all just a bunch of media geeks, you know? No, yeah, I agree. I, um, we have the, uh, Little League World Series actually pretty close in Williamsport. And I would always used to go to get a glimpse and try and, uh, muster up the courage to talk to Carl Ravitch <laughs> just cause he went to, he went to Binghamton. He's a, you know, local guy. And I just feel, I mean, obviously I've kind of felt that way, you know, about you as well. You are a New York Times bestseller. Um, but no, it's, and once you get to actually talk to them, um, they're actually, you know, they're kind of just like you and they're kind of, you're kind of the same type of person you, and you appreciate that. Well, you did go, you did go to uh, Mansfield, as you noted to me. One of your fellow alum is, is ESPN's Freddie Coleman. Have you approached or talked to Freddie Coleman? Uh, yes, I actually did. I actually, uh, when I was there, uh, he came in for, um, because actually the, the first night football game ever was held at Mansfield University. And, uh, he was there for, it was like a relighting ceremony. And I actually did get the, the courage to walk, you know, walk up to him and, and talk to him. Uh, told him the Knicks were going to, uh, you know, win the East. I think this was like, I don't even know what it was, but it was, my prediction was way off, but no, he was a nice guy to talk to. Um, he gave me, you know, you know, some advice, um, gave me his card. Wait, I just want to say, cause this is an important point. Everyone was coming up at some point. So I remember being at Delaware where I went to college. And ESPN, there was an anchor named Tom Meese, died a long time ago. But he was an anchor, and he came back to Delaware to call the, uh, when Delaware played Drexel in the conference championship game, Tom Meese came back. And I remember just being like, oh my God, I hope I can get an interview with Tom Meese. You know, like that would be, that would just be amazing. Can I get an interview with Tom Meese and you tiptoe up to Tom Meese? And hey, Tom, you know, my name is Jeff Perlman, and I write for the student newspaper and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, sure. And, like, as you do this longer, you realize, like, most people, the vast majority, are just nice people. And the vast majority also don't feel the way about themselves that you feel about them. Like, Tom Meese was probably just flattered that some guy was coming up to him. He didn't think of himself as some big shot ESPN guy. I'm sure Freddie Coleman, he's just some guy who goes home at night, takes out the garbage, probably has a wife and kids, just feels lucky to have this job. You know, I just think we always, like, we build people up when they, we feel like they're at a bigger place and then you realize they're just like us. They all go to the bathroom. Uh, I agree. And <laughs> this actually makes me, um, think of another situation. Uh, probably the most nervous I've ever been asking a question. Um, it actually was to a professional athlete. Uh, we have a minor league hockey team and they have a mean great for a dinner. Um, you know, every year and they usually bring someone in and, uh, it was the late Bill Buckner. Wow. And, you know, I had to do it. I had to ask about 86. I, I felt if I didn't, 
you know, then I, I wasn't doing my job, you know, for my readers. How many years ago yeah. is this, first of all? Uh, this was two years ago. So this was, I was pretty early. I was pretty early in my, um, my career here. But you're like 25 years old and Bill mm-hmm. Buckner's coming in, minor league hockey team. I don't quite understand the connection, but that's okay. And Buckner's <laughs> coming in and he's speaking at the banquet and you're covering the banquet. And are you thinking in the lead up to this banquet? Fuck. I got to ask Bill Buckner about 86. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, they said the guest and, uh, I was thinking about questions to ask and I'm like, you know, what do you, how do you think the league is today? You know, some, some questions that were okay, but they weren't great. And I'm like, you know what? I really have to ask it. And as it got closer, um, I, I kind of, I did get, I got nervous. Um, but I, I got up to him and he had a smile on his face. So I was like, you know what? I'll just do it. And I, I just asked him, you know, how, how do you, you know, just react after that whole situation and things like that. And, he he was really graceful about it. He said, you know, I didn't, I, I'd rather make an error than, you know, someone have cancer and things like that. So, um, it's, it's kind of cool to see someone take that moment and kind of probably make money off of it. <laughs> no, he was, he was a nice guy. Well, here's what I can tell you. I can guarantee you years from now, at least in, you know, for all I know you go on and you become, you know, the super famous journalist and that's all great. But <laughs> I did a story. When I was at the Tennessean, this is a true story. I did one of my first stories I ever wrote as a professional journalist was I did a story about a, uh, a woman named Lynn Thompson who was dying of cancer and her husband was going to keep her memory alive by always keeping up her garden. And she was teaching him how to garden in the final sort of months of her life. And she was this really nice lady in kind of her late forties and she died. And the article is framed in his house. And every year I get a Christmas card from the husband uh, showing me the sort of growth of his kids and his grandkids and his family and his legacy. For you, I just think when you have a job like you have, your legacy is, and you don't see it most of the time, but people cutting out articles you wrote and putting them in scrapbooks or putting them, going to CVS, buying a cheap frame and putting it in a frame that a hundred years from now, somebody's great, great grandkid is going to look in an old scrapbook and see a piece by Tom Passmore that was written way back when. I just think that's an amazing local newspaper legacy that people don't appreciate. Uh, no, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I didn't quite think about it until, uh, I went up to one of our uh, local colleges, uh, Corning community college. I went up there and uh, it was for a, a signing for a softball girl. And I went into the softball coach's office and looked over and I saw my article about her 500th win on the wall. I asked her about it. And she's like, you weren't supposed to see that. So I, it, That's awesome. it was kind of a cool moment for me. And it made me kind of, you know, believe what I do is, you know, it matters. It still matters, even though maybe... The print product, you know, isn't, isn't the greatest, but like I said bef- before, I knew when I was in college what I was getting into and I'm trying to, you know, rely on me and my work ethic to try and get to a, to a higher level. But I would tell I'll tell you one last thing as a parting thought here is, um, 
So last week on this uh, on this podcast, I had the uh, the beat writer for the the Washington Post for the Washington Nationals, and we were talking about this. Like he does a story about Max Scherzer, or he does a story about Steven Strasburg. Those guys don't really give a shit. Like they are not rushing home to read the profile of them in the Washington Post. And I do feel like as people people when people are covering preps early in their careers, they're always thinking, "What's next? What's next? I can't wait to get there. I can't wait to get there. I want to get to the big time." And nobody will ever appreciate you more as a writer than when you're covering preps. That I can guarantee you. That's why I feel as a low, you know, a local small town upstate New York journalist that, um, you know, you kind of do make a difference in a person's life. Maybe, you know, if it's in the smallest way possible, but you know, you do it and I take pride in that. Well, Tom, I'm flattered you listen and, uh, I'm thrilled that, uh, you, you're now officially a member of the. Distinguished alumni of two writers, Sling and Yang. So, uh, thank you so much for doing it. I'm the, the member of the, the podcast family with the least credentials, I'd say. Uh, but to be in the same breath as like a Ken Rosenthal as, uh, you know, Alex Kennedy, it's, uh, kind of crazy. I want to thank today's guest, Tom Passmore, for joining me on Two Writers Sling and Yang. You can follow Tom on Twitter in two places, at the Leader Pass and at Tom underscore Passmore. And read his work at the-leader.com. This podcast is sponsored by 503 Sports, kings of the throwback sports merchandise. Visit the website at 503-sports.com. One can listen to Two Writers Sling and Yang on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and your views are always appreciated. Music's by the dazzling MC White Owl. Thanks again for joining me, and remember, keep writing.